0: Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. All right, here we are for another episode of In the Landscape. This week, we are (laughs) a little delayed in recording this episode, so it may be a little delayed in reaching you, but we were a couple hours northwest of here, Mm -hmm. just outside Austin, camped out at a different <laughs> home, kind of moved our little clan into a different country house just for a break from the house that we've been in since March.
1: Mm-hmm. Family um, vacation. A
0: bit of a vacation. Yeah. We, we did, um, it was a very nice property. We were able to do some hiking around the property. They had, it was almost like the paths were mown in to the ground. So there was a lot of like natural stuff happening, mm-hmm. but you could, clearly discern that there were paths and then they kind of looped around so that there was a way to kind of hike a little bit right there.
1: And there was lots of livestock too.
0: Yeah, that was fun. Horses, especially for our son.
1: goats, sheep, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And as usual, we're, we're here in our home studio, uh, which unfortunately they're building a fence across the street, or fortunately, because we do love to see landscape work taking place. <laughs> 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 but uh, you may pick up a little of that on the audio. We'll see. Our engineers editors work wonders. So um, we're thrilled thrilled to have that service. And today is just going to be a little bit of a departure. Uh, we thought we would do something. I mean, well, last week was a big departure as we talked about the business of landscape design. Mm-hmm. And today is just slightly different. We're going to be um, talking about cuttings, what to grow, how to do it, how to keep them fresh. I mean, there are... Flower design professionals who may have more to share on the topic. If you want to drop us a line or give us your your impressions, we can certainly take a look. And, and we love mentioning listener contributions on the show. Mm-hmm. But where would you start in terms of cuttings? What, what do we need to think about? And, and I guess the reason it does seem a little bit like a good fit is that we're so aware of pruning, and so mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of pruning away of material. And then how can that possibly be recycled into design or can you engineer it so that you're you're both pruning for the plant and taking away something aesthetically pleasing
1: Right, you sure can. I think if there's a property in the northeast which we planted like in a naturalistic style And so if a garden survives and thrives, it generally needs some pruning And so even foliage so, The plant that comes to mind is bayberry, which is a pretty foliage plant. So cuttings, of course, flowers are often like the centerpiece, Mm -hmm. like literally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of a cutting garden. But foliage also can be very pretty. Like if you visited a florist, they might use filler plants, such as different types of ferns or hypericum or baby's breath. And so you, you could grow those yourself, like hypericum is a shrub, baby's breath is a flowering plant, but also what might seem common, maybe you have cedars growing or boxwood or viburnum or euphorbia. So maybe you have plants in your garden and you wouldn't think that, that that's not that exciting, but it's part of a bouquet. It could be pretty, and there could be a centerpiece might be a foliage plant that had silver foliage or a flowering plant. And that could be, Our house here in Texas, we're still developing the garden, but the house that we moved from, the townhouse in New York, we would do lots of cuttings where I would be out there in the garden doing needed pruning of, let's say, hydrangeas or other plants, and then that would make its way into a vase or sometimes several vases.
0: So a nice place to start is certainly with the materials that you may be removing from plants to begin with. I know one seasonally popular plant in particular, although I guess it is popular indoors at all times, but you came with a bunch of boxwood cuttings one time. And I did mm-hmm. try my hand at a wreath, which was not easy. It's, it was modest, but I think perhaps even the the cuttings had already been treated to, with an anti-desiccant.
1: Oh, right. Um, which is done. We often suggest that depending on the exposure. Mm. So it's like a waxy, like coating that you spray in the U.S., we, sell thanks- we celebrate Thanksgiving, which is the- toward the end of November. So that's usually a good time in a temperate climate to spray. And it helps the plant from getting windburn.
0: So the cuttings were perfect at that point to kind of have in a preserved form,
1: which mm-hmm. was really nice. And so- you could even do that, actually. You could spray it with an anti or there's other florist floral products that you spray to make it makes the foliage shiny.
0: Now, something you mentioned kind of while we were thinking through this topic, it was really important from a design perspective was the, the concept of scale. So you mentioned we would do cuttings and maybe we'll even post some of the arrangements we did with our own cuttings from our yard, or maybe even that boxwood wreath on our social <laughs> media pages just for fun. I instantly, well, so I was always recycling the vases you get when someone sends you a flower arrangement Mm -hmm. uh that's that's kind of how i collect the few vases i have but i thought immediately of the of the flower arrangements in the bathrooms at bryant
1: park oh right which is famous actually yeah (laughs)
0: so you can you can even look that up online if you want to get a, a view of them but you go in and they're just stunning and they're in these giant sort of urns and you know the scale is over the top and Mm -hmm. I mean I might not have enough cuttings from my entire yard to do that once let alone as often as you would need to but you know we go and we buy potting you know containers for growing our plants outdoors and thinking through maybe sizing up our scale especially if we're getting a lot of greenery that can kind of fill in an arrangement we can maybe reimagine our arrangements with with the cuttings from our
1: own yard. Right, the scale, the containers for f- cuttings, flowers, in a way, it's, it almost creates a stage. Mm. It's a little different than a pot where mm-hmm. the plant is in the pot, it's right there. So with the good floral designers, interior designers that I've worked with over the years, I mean, they're so experienced with that. So they're thinking it's a large, let's say you enter a home, there's a large foyer. There's a beautiful antique round table. Let's say it's a taller ceiling. That's often common. And that space is often not used vertically. Let's say the ceiling's like 14 feet tall. So a good designer would think, wow, we, like, we don't want to go to 14 feet. But an uh, average person is about six feet tall. If you go, so it's taller than a person. So maybe it's a very large glass, like a clear glass container mm-hmm. that maybe is up to like three feet. And then you have plants like a dogwood branch or uh, something that could be very dramatic. And the arrangement is, let's say, seven, eight feet tall coming out of that. That's very dramatic as opposed to a dozen rows that you buy at the the corner market in that same table. If that comes up to like 24 inches, not that dramatic. And the cost is not to buy, let's say, cherry blossom branches or from your own garden that can Mm -hmm. be done or forsythia branches, then you can really can be very dramatic where it's a five foot long forsythia branch and you have enough of them. And then that container that's more or less like the stage has to be scaled appropriately that it's, and just from doing this over the years, if the mouth is, if it's a wide mouth, either the the branches are going to lay almost horizontally, Mm -hmm. or if you have a lot of branches or cuttings, then they'll start to be vertical. And so you have to think through. Mm-hmm. So let's say there's five dogwood branches. It's a pink dogwood. It's very like you see that in hotels or at the Metropolitan Museum in New York. I think there's there's more or less like an endowment. So in perpetuity, there's these enormous urns that have flowers in them. That's that someone donated. So when you really study those, the scale is enormous. It's a big space. And the scale is appropriate where... The converse would be maybe there's a powder room on your first floor, and so there's a bud vase and you have pansies or heliobores where it's very delicate and the scale is is smaller. So I'm really thinking how you're gonna see it, like what eye level is, how long it's gonna last.
0: You know, another consideration is if you're really going to go down this path and get into it, especially if you're going to grow your own cuttings, because then you're able to, I guess, maximize it without spending a lot on, on flower arrangements at the store that you might even want to invest. I think if you go to your local um, craft store, you can get the sponge that, that florists use. It's like a green often. Yeah. Like if, I mean, I love the sort of naturalistic arrangements that have enough, material in them that it sort of holds its shape, but there are t- tips and tricks and frogs and weird, you know, weirdly named. Oh, right. There's a lot that, that the, that the professionals use, but I do think there's quite a bit that you can get access to. Mm-hmm. And so the tools might be a little different from the big pruning, you know, the pruning shears that we talk about. You may want to invest in some smaller secateurs or something. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the cutting. So there's there's the way we would prune. And in a way, we don't necessarily want to approach the plant as though we're just going to snip a flower off of it.
1: Or, oh, you good know, point. so
0: how do we approach the pruning and then the cutting to prepare it for a vase?
1: Well, so if it's, I mean, I've done that, like at family members' homes over the years, both my brother, they have a beautiful garden. That was a cutting garden. they inherited they've more you know they've worked on it somewhat but they're not full-time gardeners (laughs) and my mother has some large shrub hydrangeas so both so those come to mind so if it's let's say it's an exclusive cutting garden and the appearance of the garden you don't see it it's not important it's only a warehouse for like so that then maybe you do cut indiscriminately you just go out and you oftentimes, I mean, that would be quite rare. Usually, the cutting garden, it should still look beautiful. And so when I've done that with some of these very large, like the paniculata hydrangeas, where the flower could be maybe 12 inches, I mean, just massive, very dramatic. So I wouldn't want to denude the plant so it looked like it had been butchered. And so there's often, so that with that particular plant, the more vigorous growth goes straight up. And then some of the less vigorous growth, so there'd be flowers that go straight up. Then there'd be flowers that would droop down. And so one approach would be to cut the vertical flowers, which have lots of energy. And then once it's pruned, it's still very graceful. Mm-hmm. And so that would really be true of all plants of, there's a way you're going to take out material, but I, but I try to envision how is this going to look once mm-hmm. it's taken out, that it shouldn't look denuded. And sort of correcting defects. So the ho- the ta- our townhouse in Hastings, that was very densely planted. Like we wanted instant effect. So we planted it densely. And then within two or three years, it was very full. So those shrubs, there'd often be crossing branches mm-hmm. and plants growing into each other. So the thinning cutting, I'd be pruning to separate the different plants. Mm. And then the byproduct was nice cuttings. So I often would think of it that way, that with many flowering plants, the the flower has intrinsic beauty. Mm -hmm. So it often doesn't matter which one you remove on the plant. Mm -hmm. It matters to the plant, though, the Mm -hmm. architecture Mm -hmm. that you try to maintain good architecture. If you didn't take it, if you fell in love with a certain flower and you cut that indiscriminately, the subsequent growth, there might be awkward growth. It might the plant might become misshapen. Mm. So just a little bit of forethought. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and it's okay to do the pruning cut in a way that's beneficial to the plant, because then you typically have an opportunity to bring the cuttings inside and do additional sizing. So if it's longer than you were anticipating, in fact, it probably should be a little longer, because they often recommend an additional cut on the on a bias that and sometimes underwater or, you know, so that you're continuing to encourage the cap, the capillary action. Mm-hmm, is that what it's right. <laughs> like throwing out terms. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but you're trying to encourage water to continue to, to move up the uh, structure of the stem mm-hmm. so that the, whatever you've cut, um, if you're not drying it and preserving it, presenting it that way, that it survives a little bit longer in the vase. Cause you can't extend the life that way. So, so it's good to be, Thoughtful of the plant as though, as though every cut is a pruning cut, a thoughtful, uh, well sanitized, you know, because Mm -hmm. the the idea may be, well, I'm just going to go out with my kitchen scissors and snip some stuff off. But, you know, we practice a lot of biosecurity and deal with plants that have had funguses introduced and things like that. And um, you can have sound practices, even when it's, I'm just going to go out and get a pretty flower for for the table.
1: So using a kitchen, a kitchen disinfectant mm-hmm. is, is, a, is a reasonable thing. Isopropyl alcohol mm-hmm. is even better. Or you spray. You, you, like you really want to soak whatever your your pruning tools are.
0: And a sharp tool. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of household scissors get quite dull. <laughs> so you right? just gnawing at the plant. And you were like, I'm just going to go snip this off. And then all of a sudden you're, <laughs> you're creating havoc in, in the plant. You know, so, I even
1: use, sometimes I don't have the pruning tools. Right in the kitchen, like maybe it's in the vehicle or mm-hmm. in, a, in the shed, but using a sharp, a serrated kitchen knife, which mm-hmm. are particularly deadly. I've mm-hmm. gotten when you're cutting vegetables, you can get it. Oh, yes. But those are for some of these cutting garden cuts. Sometimes it's hard to get the secateurs in there, that it's a juncture. Mm-hmm. And so, like a really sharp, the serrated knife tends to cut through more readily. Mm. So I've had good luck with that too,
0: and I've seen with roses and with Japanese maples where we're trying to get into these nooks and crannies. You also have a set of uh, pruners that are like almost needle-nose.
1: Oh, right, they're like very. Those might be called like rose snips, mm-hmm. or right, they're very pointy.
0: Yeah, so knowing that you're going to have a way to get in there, just preparing yourself to do a cut that is healthy for the plant, I think, is is a good message. And
1: having a basket or i often use a bucket Mm -hmm. having something you have you can prepare it where you have water in the bucket yeah
0: that's a good
1: idea or a basket depending what 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 you're cutting because sometimes it'll take a while you know we're out there Mm. for 15 20 minutes like i can imagine me doing it and then then there's some weeds i pull some weeds and then maybe i get distracted something else comes up Mm. and keeping them in the shade is very important so the, the plants these cuttings flowers or foliage. Having that, keeping that in the shade.
0: Well, and we talk a lot about knowing your program and it's interesting because as you start to think through having your own cuttings, doing your own flower arranging, there may be seasonal interest that you need to add to your own planted landscape in order to begin harvesting the kinds of cuttings you want. Like one of the plants that I love in the fall uh, forgive me, I don't know what it is, but it almost looks like a little paper lantern or almost mm. a little pumpkin. Oh, right. um, and so having that seed pod, you'd need to be thinking in advance of, <laughs> I feel so bad because it's a landscape podcast. I didn't look this up. But it's <laughs> like whatever that plant is, is going to need the right place in your landscape to mm-hmm. kind of develop until it reaches whatever aesthetic you're looking for. Even if maybe it doesn't fit most of the time. So maybe it's in an out of the way place. As you said, the cutting garden could could be something that's not well seen, or maybe it's something that's fantastic year round, and you also happen to get the cuttings, like the red stem
1: dogwood. Right. Right. Correct. Or like lilacs are so popular Mm. for cuttings. The traditional French lilac is a common name here in the US. That gets very large, like 18, 20 feet tall. So to keep that flowering to do pretty substantial pruning so that the flowers are not only at 18 feet tall uh, but there's there are shrub lilacs, there's dwarf, which I think are maybe some of them may be Asian in derivation.
0: Mm-hmm. there's
1: like palabin, Miss Kim. So Miss Kim is upright to maybe about seven feet tall but not there's not conspicuous growth. It's like very full and dense and then palabin is tends to be wider spreading and very fragrant. So some of these plants sort of having, I mean, I would describe a lilac is sort of like a B plant as opposed to an A plant. There's, it's very exciting when it's blooming. A lot of the year, it's just green. The foliage is not that dynamic. And that would be true for quite a few of the cutting plants when they're not Mm. performing. It's not that exciting. So having, if you're fortunate to have an area where you have a large, like a lawn area, it can be these plants could be within the lawn. So there's mm-hmm. a lilac, a red twig dogwood, some of these woody plants, different types of cherry trees. Those are amazing for cuttings. It could be part of a landscape when it's not performing. It's like architectural, or it could mm-hmm. be screening. And then when people think traditional cuttings, you're often thinking flowers. So there's all different types of lilies, cone flowers. It goes, flocks. There's plants that are fragrant. Mm-hmm. So really thinking through like your program, like you said, what there are some, some of our clients have seasonal homes. So they say we spend the spring and the fall in this house. And so the plants ought to relate to that Mm -hmm. because it'd be so tempting. Oh, we want to have this in the cutting garden. Well, that's not going to be blooming when you're here. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's a cutting garden for a school or a seasonal hotel or to really drilling down to. When are you going to use it? And then what are the light conditions? Is that plant going to grow in the conditions you have?
0: Well, and also, is it going to get the color you want in in the conditions you have? Because something like a Japanese maple doesn't necessarily get color if it's not exposed to sunlight. And, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, there, are, there may be other considerations... Or, or maybe it doesn't flower as much if certain conditions aren't met. Or <laughs> maybe you want the hydrangea with the bright blue color, but you don't have the acidic, I think, acidic soil.
1: Right.
0: That's going to give you the hydrangea that my sister gets to grow out there in Oregon, which mm-hmm. is just the most gorgeous, most gorgeous blue I think I've ever seen. So you may have these aspirations. And of course, then those can be filled in by going to your local flower shop and kind of you know, seeing what's available. So maybe you're providing all the greenery or all the baby's breath. And and then you have like these showstoppers that you can put in. You can supplement. Yeah. And, and maximize your budget that way. Cause it, it can be a lot. And then the issue I always have with cut flowers is that they don't last forever.
1: Right. Maybe. And I, I kind of wish they did. Maybe five days. I'm always, I'm
0: always very like, I don't know philosophically upset by the the dead flower in a vase like it's like oh life is short (laughs) what are we doing here and so for me the vibrancy of the garden is kind of the place I like to leave them but you want to have a replacement plan you don't want to be like me and kind of forget that you got a bouquet and then it's there and it's
1: there is some like regular maintenance
0: yeah absolutely there's
1: some plants the Peruvian lily is very Mm long-lived so there are plants That's not the most showy, like some of the Asian lilies that are just like really, really showy. I'm so dramatic and maybe they're fragrant, but they might only last for a few days. So balancing that out and like knowing yourself, if you were say every Saturday, I want to do a cutting. It's going to be in this one main vase. I really want it to last a week or let's say you're busy during the middle of the week and it looks horrible by Wednesday. And so you could do a cutting arrangement knowing that like Mm -hmm. that it's gonna like the bay berry and the oak leaf hydrangea let's say not the most dramatic arrangement but it probably would last a full week
0: well and it's interesting because i did i did used to buy flowers a lot when i had the opportunity because if you've ever been in new york city there's small stores on every corner practically and they Mm -hmm. often have a little flower section so especially when there's uh when it's um Sunflower season. All right. You know, buying those and having those in the home. So I don't need it, I don't want to make it sound like I like I hate cut flowers or a beautiful arrangement because it's it's really it's that kind of feeling like I want to do it, but I want to do it well. And I want to I want Mm -hmm. to spend the time to enjoy it, which is is the key. And then kind of care for it in the way that you maximize the the length that it's enjoyable. And and so it there is kind of a difference in access. In some cases, we think of some people as having big yards and, and hey, that's the big benefit. But then you're removed from kind of this marketplace where you can have easier access to flowers. So it's interesting to, to make that distinction and realize like, oh, you know, I mean, there's always a flower section in a grocery store, but there was just something about having these really beautiful flowers displayed the way they were on the you know, just outside this corner market that you can't help but kind of stop and pick up something and bring it home to your apartment. Mm -hmm. So no, you don't have the lawn outside, but you get, you know, you get this kind of vibrant interaction with the city.
1: It was so cheerful. I think New York is, that's true. Paris, that's true. I'm sure many other places in the world. Yeah. So good memories. Yeah. It's so cheerful, those New York corners. And it's often wrapped around where it's, you know, the corner markets on the corner. I mean, but there'd be hundreds of flower choices. Yeah. Some of those so yeah. dramatic,
0: really, really special. So again, it's 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 nice to have uh, kind of the variety of experience, and it's not all one size fits all um, in terms of landscape and and our relationship with plants and beauty and design. So we we want to acknowledge that. Now there are some types of plants that look really great in an arrangement, but shouldn't be planted. And so I think we've mentioned them before on our vines episode in particular, mm-hmm. but I think it's that Japanese. There's the oh, bittersweet, bittersweet, right? Right. That, that maybe was popular because it was a floral,
1: because mm-hmm, of the berries that goes ornamental.
0: Yeah, and so you know, especially because we speak to an audience the world over. We're big fans of natives. Again, you could make it, you even mentioned grasses can be quite lovely uh-huh. in an arrangement, um, which may not spring to mind because that fixation is on like the dozen roses uh-huh. or whatever. But thinking through what's sustainable, what is safe for your region. And, and just note that maybe if they're growing it in a hothouse somewhere, maybe it's contained and it's okay. But even thinking through what we might buy from uh-huh. the florist. In, in terms of what we choose to support
1: right like, you know because those many of the cut flowers they travel on airplanes from mm. one part of the world to another so that's not sustainable you know that's contributing pollution to the world so mm. there's not to never do that but yeah, just to be mindful farmers markets i think there's like a resurgence in the us that from what i can from the little bit of knowledge i have that's more and more popular so farmers it's a high rate of income for a small. You sell a ear of corn compared to a bunch of ornamental flowers. So some fl- farmers, which I've read about, they've gone mm-hmm. like, like the arts and crafts way. So it's mm-hmm. smaller quantities are mm-hmm. making, let's say, goat cheese, or they're having uh, like one or two or three acres for cut flowers mm-hmm. instead of doing very large volume at a low profit. There's and some farmers, they grow Christmas trees and and then cuttings can be part of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful industry to kind of see. I mean, folks can even I think book weddings at venues that you're mm-hmm. like you get to do the cuttings for your floral arrangements as a part of you know this little ecosystem that's been developed. So. It's lovely to see that and nice to support those businesses if you had a chance. And, and then I think there's wildflower honey and it's very <laughs> bucolic and, mm-hmm. and, and lovely, like a nice way to support local, sustainable
1: agriculture. You know, some of these could be child-friendly too, where like the sunflowers mm-hmm. or the nasturtiums. Cosmos. We were, Cosmos. that's when we grew,
0: and bachelor buttons.
1: Well, so that could be done in see you could start it inside, yeah. you could buy seedlings locally. So that's very economical to grow things from seed. Mm -hmm. With many of the plants, you can collect the seed during the growing season from the plant Mm -hmm. and then save it for the next year.
0: Nice. So it's a little removed from us here. And and we often reference temperate climates because that's where we spent so much time before. But now we're here in a subtropical climate.
1: Right, correct.
0: (laughs) And so we have things like palm fronds and the different grasses. And so this idea of getting it like going native and getting into the native plants is, is a way of really maximizing our experience with this landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, so there may be cuttings that are, I don't want to say less traditional, but you might not expect to see them in a flower shop. And it's just because it's, it's sort so closely built around what's actually growing in your yard. You were going to talk about, especially, and again, it's just not on our minds because it's like 100 degrees here right now, <laughs> is, is the winter cuttings, winter bouquets. And of course, you have evergreens. We think about greening a lot, especially if we, if we observe winter solstice or the, or the holiday of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some other things that might be a departure from the standard evergreen boughs?
1: Well, you know, boxwood cuttings and, yep. and other shrub shrubby and so those can be made into garlands. It can be vases of them. It could be a filler plant. Mm-hmm. So that's like a big category. Then there's all the various colored stems. So, like dogwood does that, where there's red twig, there's gold, uh, willows are also, so it's like a shrub willow. Many of these, you, they are coppiced where it's cut to the ground or it's, and so the act of cutting some of these these woody multi-stem shrubs to the ground is that in the following year produces new growth. That and So it could be a coral colored uh, willow shrub or a gold gold twigged dogwood. And so that can be, so those will start, they'll lose their leaves in the fall in a temperate or some of these will grow in the subtropics and then they'll start to get that very bright color in the cool season. And those can be brought inside mm. So more in the winter or the cool season, examples would be a crab apple. Some of those berries can be very pretty. So other plants that would look great in the landscape outside, while it's cool, could look great on the inside. Mm-hmm. Without, they will hold the berries, winterberry, uh, holly. That also comes in similar to the dogwood, reds, golds, orange berries. Then there's forcing the plant. So it's let's say there's uh, forsythia boughs or other like early spring flowering plants, those can be cut while it's still dormant outside. And the act of bringing it inside to a heated home or building, they will start to bloom as if they were outside.
0: Oh, interesting. Like as if the
1: spring was there. Sure. So there's a multitude of plants that you wouldn't necessarily even think of as cuttings, but just the act of bringing it inside. So you could be doing your late winter pruning of like popular ones, dogwoods, all the different cherries come to mind. There's a cornelian cherry, which is a type of a dogwood, Mm. which has a very early, it's almost late winter, yellow flower. There's witch hazel and there's native to North America and Asian varieties. And those comes in, uh, I would say gold or yellow is the most common, but there's also oranges. Mm. And so that can be very dramatic. You're doing your annual pruning and it could take place. It could coincide with when it's flowering and then you could bring those inside.
0: Great. Anything else to mention here before we wrap up this episode?
1: Well, let's see. We've done the various seasons, uh, dry cuttings too. So some of the hydrangeas lend themselves. I think limelight, some of the, the endless summer varieties, they can be cut and never put in water. And mm. some of these hydrangea varieties, they will hold the color, they'll hold the color for almost forever. So even without water, it's almost whatever color it is. And some of these endless summer and similar ones, it'll be a multitude of colors. So mm. it'll be going from purple to red to burgundy on the flower or the leaves. And it'll more or less hold that sometimes for months. And that could be a dry arrangement. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you can even cut them after they've dried on the plant as oh, well. Oh, right, again, good point. So some of up.
1: those are, uh, that's all available online. To, you know, to find out there's all kinds of good chat groups. What people's favorite mm. um, plants for cuttings are. Right.
0: All right. Well, this was a short and sweet episode. We hope uh, it helped you think through some of your favorite flower arrangements. I was just sort of visualizing the entire time, the different mm-hmm. different bouquets I've received and, and our wedding flowers and all of that. So there is a very special relationship with cut flowers and being able to combine them in that close relationship with other cuttings and, and creating You know, arrangements. And so um, we certainly invite any photos you may have, any questions we can answer, please feel free to send them to us. And hopefully uh, you'll get a chance to spend some time with some cuttings or in your own landscape soon. You know, I know how special that can be. All right. So until next week, thank you again for listening. And uh, we look forward to coming up with another landscape topic for you. Thank you.
1: Very good. Thank you. All right.
0: Bye bye. In the Landscape is brought to you by King Garden, a full-service landscape design, care, and education company. Enjoying what you hear on our podcast? We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you, so drop us a line at connect at kinggardeninc.com. We welcome show ideas, gardening and design questions, and always corrections. We travel all over North America, giving garden talks and leading trainings. Check us out at kinggardeninc.com for our speaking details. And also take a look at our online course offerings for more in-depth explorations of topics covered on our show.